So good to see you guys. If we've not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Matt. I'm your location pastor here in the Northeast and really it's an honor to be here. If you are a guest with us, I'm not typically the one that preaches. The other bald guy is the one that typically preaches. That's Pastor Joey. And so we are one church in multiple locations, but every now and then us location pastors, we get a chance. So if you hate what you hear today, that's all right. I'm not here next week. That's good. (laughs) So today's special. Why? Because it's Baptism Sunday, right? It's going to be a historic day because we're believing that across all of our locations, we're going to baptize a hundred people. That's huge. We've never baptized that many people on one day. And it's just evidence of what God is doing here. It's evidence of you inviting. It's evidence of us creating a space where the Holy Spirit is honored and he can work in us. And we're seeing people not just responding to Jesus, but taking a further step of obedience by publicly displaying it. So thank you for inviting and reminder, next week is Sit With Me Sunday, easiest day to invite. You've got invite cards on your seats. Give them to your bus driver, give them to your neighbor, your family members, whatever. And people that may not come to church on a typical Sunday, they might come for a free gift. So use that to your advantage. That's why we do this day, but it's gonna be special. Sound good? Yes. righty. So we are in week six of this series called This Is Your Sign. Now, what we've been doing is we've been taking a deep look into Paul's letter, uh, to his second letter to the Corinthian church. And what we need to understand is that Paul has a lot of relational depth with this particular community. In fact, he has a deep love for them. He's been with them. In fact, he was instrumental in establishing this church. And so he knows all the leaders. He knows the people very, very well. And so his tone in this letter is very much of one of like a, a spiritual father addressing his kids. He's been very, very heavily invested in this community. And as such, it naturally was breaking his heart to learn that there were false teachers and false prophets communicating things that were being adopted by this community. They're being led astray and embracing these different values that had, were threatening to really undo the very foundation he was so instrumental in uh, helping build. So that's where we're at in Second Corinthians. Uh, and so Paul is addressing these things. Now, quick side note, um, last week was the Super Bowl, right? Anybody anybody watch that? One person, because it's the most boring matchup of all time. My goodness, man, I'm tired of watching reruns. Like, the NFL script writers, I think, really let us down this year. I just, it was a predictable plot. I don't know. I didn't appreciate the special appearance by Taylor. I don't know. Just... Really boring in my opinion. But I mean, you know, it's football, so I watched the stupid game and left unmoved. Uh, but I mean, really, when you watch that game, though, you get hyped because it's the commercials, right? I mean, the commercials are one of the big drawing points because they're spending millions of dollars for 30 seconds. I can't imagine, I can't imagine spending th- millions of dollars for 30 seconds. I'd be like, hi, I'm Matt. I, I don't even know what I would do in the 30 seconds. But it's really amazing what they can do. Like, I mean, in the cameos that they get. I think my favorite was the Allstate one where Arnold Schwarzenegger came in. He's like, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Like, I was like, that's great. That's the only way I'm ever going to hear that now. I'm glad we moved on from Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, like, the commercials are great, right? And they always turn heads, and that's what people talk about. 
Well, there was one particular campaign that a lot of people were talking about, and uh, it was the He Gets Us campaign. Did you guys see that? And so it got a lot of mixed responses, but if you're unfamiliar, essentially it was a $100 million advertising initiative. And the goal of the whole initiative was to talk about Jesus and the empathy and compassion he has for people. Right? So when you watch it, he's like, he sees you, he gets it, he loves you right where you're at. That's great. That's great. There's a lot of uh, mixed responses, but the problem is, is it's kind of an incomplete message. As we look at it, of course, Jesus has empathy for us, but it isn't empathy for us to stay where we're at. In fact, the empathy he has for us is because he also sees the consequence that our sin leads us to. So it's not just empathy of, oh, I like, it's okay. I feel where you're at. He wants more for us. He has compassion. In fact, the very reason he came to earth to begin with was to die on the cross. So we were no longer a slave to our sin. We're no longer a slave to our own tendencies. And so we don't have to be held in bondage to that. So it's empathy for where we're at, but also compassion to want to lead us beyond that and lead us to repentance. Repentance meaning giving up things of this world and coming closer and drawing to what it is he's called us to be. The problem is, is a lot of times in our culture, we really like the idea of empathetic Jesus. We don't really like the, the idea of Jesus calling us to repent. We're like, I, no, I want him to tell me that, that I'm, I'm nice and he loves me so that I can continue doing whatever it is I want to do. That's not surrender. <laughs> That's not putting him at the throne of our lives. And a lot of times our culture very much perpetuates this idea of pick and choose the things you want to believe and kind of like them. The problem with that is there is no foundation. There's no baseline for truth in there at all. And if we look at what Jesus says, he didn't come to just tell us it's going to be okay. He gave us a way out and paid a heavy price for you and for me. In fact, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what we have to understand is it's either all in on Jesus or not. And this is where we find the Corinthian church. They have been given this gospel that Paul has taught them, but there are other competing ideas from these false prophets and false teachers that are bringing up these different ideas, these different concepts that really are distracting from the gospel, distracting from the truth. And a lot of the people in the Corinthian church are kind of trying to marry the two. It's like, I'm going to do a little bit of both. And and what it's actually doing is separating them from God and what he's called us to be. Now, as a church, I'm sure we can relate to this idea. Like we're constantly, like we're in the world, we're constantly being given messages and ideas and values that are being pumped to us through the media, through movies, through uh, people around us, right? So we can sympathize with them. But what we have to understand is that we have to get to a point of conviction and saying, am I all in on Jesus or am I all in on the world? And this is what he's addressing. And so the message today is this is your sign to break up with the world. This is your sign to break up with the world. Let's look at the passage we're going to be breaking down. This is 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
Therefore, go out from their mindset. Be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. What I love is he's telling us there should be a distinction. Separate ourselves from the world. Because if we're being honest, who we put ourselves in regular proximity to tends to influence who we become. A little of my backstory. I feel like nobody actually knows my origin story. So let me just set the, the record straight here. So my, those who know are laughing. Uh, my mom was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, or in that area, actually a town called Chugiak. And then my dad is from Shreveport, Louisiana. Well, they both went to college in East Texas, and that's where they met, and that's where they got married and had me. So I am from Texas. That is where I am from. Um, but... I'm also a first-generation Texan, so I mean, my roots don't go that deep. But that's where I'm from, right? But what's funny is that my parents are so odd, because they're from opposite parts of the country, right? But they both came from different kinds of country, different kinds of rural. And so, and so there's like, there's Alaska country, right? And then there's like deep Louisiana country. Well, they met and they made me. And well, they both decided I am not going to be country. I don't want that vibe. They're like, we're not hicks. We're going to be modern people. Well, my dad ended up being on staff at a church in a town in East Texas. And the whole time they're like, we're the cool ones. We're going to be dressing modern. We're going to look, you know, we're not, we're not hicks, as my dad would always say. Well, what ended up happening is, well, they left that East Texas town and they moved to Fort Worth, which is a much bigger city. And they looked at themselves. They looked at those around them and said, oh my God, we've become hicks. <laughs> they looked at this and like, oh my goodness. They had been in the town long enough, man. It had shaped how they dressed, how they acted, all those things. And the thing is, I can relate. When I was uh, in college, I ended up getting on staff at a very small church in Oklahoma. And while I was there, there's this town called Winniewood, Oklahoma, the smallest town I've ever been to. If you've seen the Tiger King, it was that town that all that happened. I had no idea all that nonsense was going on. But anyways, I'm on staff at this church, right? And I'm doing the same thing my parents said. I'm not going to be country. I'm a modern man, right? Whatever. Well, one like, like here's how country it was, just for more context. I had kids who couldn't come to youth group because they had to show their pigs. I don't know what that means. How do you show a pig? I, whatever. But that's, these were the obstacles I had. But same thing. I'm like, I'm not going to be a country person. Well, one time we're driving there and we go over a river and the river is really low. And I'm like, oh, we really need rain. Why do I care? I don't have crops, but the values of those that I was around, I started adopting. And that's the thing. If we're being honest with ourselves, those we put in regular proximity with ourselves, we adopt those values. We adopt those worldviews. And so if we're not intentional about who we put in our proximity, we may find ourselves adopting some views that are far from God and far from what he's designed us to be. It's really easy to conform with the masses because there's no friction that way. Well, if we find ourselves just wandering through today's culture, we'll find ourselves believing everything our culture tells us and be shocked when the Bible says something different. Well, is that because what the Bible's saying is truly so shocking or have we become so accommodated or so acclimated to our culture and our belief system that we've actually chosen the world instead of choosing the kingdom of God? The truth is, in our walk with Christ, we regularly have two choices. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you regularly have two choices. Are you gonna choose to separate yourself from the world or are you gonna choose to separate yourself from God? You always have those two choices in our day-to-day -day lives. Are you gonna choose to separate from the world or separate from the kingdom of God? 
Because what we need to know is that God, he ain't going anywhere. He hasn't moved. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Scripture tells us that over and over. So when we find ourselves separate from God, that means we're the ones that have wandered. That means that we're the ones who have separated because he hasn't gone anywhere. So why does that happen? Well, a lot of things can happen in life that can lead to this. Maybe you get in a relationship with somebody that doesn't love the Lord. And so their value system, their worldview is different from yours. Well, that intimacy of that proximity relationship is going to shape how you view the world. And you'll find yourself slowly, but surely further than you thought you would be from the Lord. Or maybe you experienced a loss. Maybe you experienced like a disappointment and you're mad at God and that's okay. Things, hard, hard things happen, but how you respond in that moment will dictate whether or not you draw closer to him or farther away from him. If we choose to let pain and difficulty in life enable us to reject pursuing God, we're going to find ourselves in a dark, difficult place. Maybe, maybe you have a sin in your life. Maybe there's something that you've had in your life that you know. Scripture tells you you shouldn't be doing or you shouldn't be consuming or whatever it may be, but you're allowing it to be a part of you. And that enablement is creating bitterness or it's creating pride and justification so that you don't feel bad for continuing that thing in your life. And you're choosing the world over God and you find yourself further from him than you ever thought you would be. We always have a choice. Are we going to choose to separate from the world? We're going to choose to separate from God. And this happens often. This happens so often because it's so easy to let our circumstances, it's so easy to let what happens around us dictate the decisions we make. But what we have to understand is we have a very real enemy and he wants to take you out. He wants it. If he can't have your soul, he's going to make you as ineffective as he possibly can. He does not like you. (laughs) But here's the cool thing. When we find ourselves facing perpetual attacks of the enemy, whether that be temptation, whether that be circumstantial, whatever it may be, That means he sees you as a threat. That means the God of the universe is doing something in you and he's trying to diminish that to the best of our ability. So when we face persecution, when we face trials of any kind, as it says in James, consider it pure joy. And so in those moments, we have that choice. Are we gonna separate from God? Are we gonna separate from the world? Because the world will have you respond to pain in all sorts of bad ways. Indulge what makes you happy. Do what makes you, if you're rooted in the word of God, you know what not to do. You know what steps to take. But if we're not rooted in God's word, we're going to be very tempted to fall astray. And this is a lot of what's happening in this Corinthian church because what sin does is it separates. Sin separates us from God. In fact, if you go to the beginning, the fact that sin exists is why we can't be with God. But because God loves us so much, he paid the price of sin through Jesus on the cross. And he's the very reason we can have a relationship with him to begin with. And so once we've given our lives to Jesus, we have to be intentional about stomping out any sin that exists in our life because we're constantly combating against our new heavenly nature and our still dead earthly nature. So we have to continually say no to sin because what sin is doing is trying to separate you from the God who died for you, that loves you, that designs you and wants the best for you. Sin is sneaky, man. Sin is sneaky because it's, it feels like a relief. It's a joy, right? It's this nice thing. Oh, I'm going to treat myself. Oh, that phrase, treat yourself. Uh, it has hurt my waistline. But, but we do that, right? 
We're like, no, I've had a hard day (laughs) or whatever. We're like, well, if they understood what I was facing, they wouldn't judge me for consuming X, Y, Z. Or if they saw how lonely I was, they wouldn't judge me for always going out with this person, that person. Listen, sin is sneaky. It offers immediate relief, but it leads to long-term death. And so we have to choose. Am I going to choose the world or am I going to choose the kingdom of God? Because it can be scary, though. When we do choose the kingdom of God, it makes you different from the world, right? I can tell you there's so many stories that people have met in the Northeast that are here today that told told me about how, man, when I started going to church and following Jesus, my friends started treating me differently. They don't wanna hang out with me as often. Or I have people who just think I'm weird or they assume because I'm not drinking that I'm judging them for doing so. And they started finding the friends following. And it's a scary moment because you're feeling that separation. You're feeling that separation from the world. And these people are not like judging their friends or like condemning them. They're literally just starting to be Christians now, right? And the world is falling away from them. That's the thing that should happen because we should be set apart. We should be different from the world. If the world looks at you and thinks you're the same, then what is Christ doing in you? If, if these are contrary nation or natures, there should be a difference in us. And it can be a scary thought to see the old friends fall away, but that's the beauty of the local church because those people that said that to me have so many friends and so much community here now and are growing. It's amazing how God replaces those things. But we have to be intentional about who are we letting in our lives, who has a voice in our lives. Because when we choose to break up with the world and embrace his kingdom, we get to experience his promises that are priceless. In fact, what Paul is quoting when he's, addressing these people. He's, he's speaking to a primarily Gentile audience, which essentially means a non-Jewish audience. And he's talking about the Israelites back when they escaped Egypt. What happened was, is God pulled them out of Egypt and set them apart, gave them the law that helped establish and helped them turn away from the idols, the behaviors, the indulgences that existed before. And God set Israel apart as a new nation to be different so that God could be shown through them. This is what Paul is talking about when he addresses them because while God was leading the Israelites to a physical promised land, what God is leading us to is a spiritual promised land. That promised land is the kingdom of heaven. And here's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It's when we understand that every single one of us were created. We were created and designed. Well, when something has been designed, that means it serves a specific function. So many of us have been trying to find that function in things of this world, in hobbies, in your identity, or whatever it may be. But God has designed us uniquely. So walking in the kingdom of God means walking in the way that he has designed us to be. How do we find out how he's designed us to be? By getting in his word. What does he say? Like, how are we programmed? One thing I know we are programmed to do is to worship. And so many of us are worshiping the wrong things. We're worshiping our career. We're worshiping relationships. We're thinking, if I just get married, then this will happen. Or if I just make this amount of money, then I'll start being obedient to God. Or if I just start doing this thing, you've made that Lord of your life. You're not functioning in the way you were designed because we were designed to worship our creator. We were designed to live in the, with the mindset of him first above everything. And when we walk in that way, that's where freedom exists. When we walk in the way God's designed us, that's where freedom and joy happens because we're existing in the way we were created to exist. And so I'm running short on time already. So how do we do this? How do we break up the world? I'm gonna give you three points. Write these down. The first one is, this is how we break up with the world is we reject that which competes with God in your life. Reject 
that which competes with God in your life. Like I said earlier, if anything sits on the throne of your life above God, it has become an idol. And it can be a good thing, but a bad thing when it's an idol. And your kids are sitting on the throne of your life, they've become an idol. And they can never fulfill what God does for you. They can never fulfill that role that we place them. When we put our spouses at the top of our lives, same thing. We put our career, money, anything. Anything that is above Jesus in our lives becomes an idol and will not fulfill us and will only let us down. And so what we have to do is look at our lives, take an inventory and go, what is drawing me back to the kingdom? And what is drawing me back to the world? Am I in a relationship that I shouldn't be in? Am I in a relationship that's perpetually tempting me to do things I shouldn't do and embrace ideas I shouldn't embrace? Am I watching things on TV, on social media? Am I following certain people that I really shouldn't because the ideas they're perpetuating are not biblical, are not godly, are actually creating bitterness, envy, distrust, or whatever in me? Am I, is, do I need to do a career change? Do I need to create boundaries in my families where I don't allow certain people to have such a heavy voice in my my life. We have to be intentional and reject that which competes with God in our lives. So take an inventory. What is it that takes us away from that? For us parents, are there too many activities on our kids' schedule that's preventing us from getting our kids to church? If that's the case, we need to take inventory and go, what is actually the priority in our family? For all of us, look, what is taking us away from God? Number two, we need to remember that the promises of God are tied to the fear of the Lord. The promises of God are tied to the fear of the Lord. Now that term can be confusing, right? It's like, I'm scared of God. That's not what this means. Fear is referring to reverence, awe, understanding of the weight of his role. When I was in high school, my, I had coaches that were also teachers. I think that's common. I always hear that the coaches are like the easy classes. That wasn't the case at my school. Like my, one of the coaches was like the AP chemistry teacher. The other one was the pre-AP bio teacher. I'm like, guys, you are just doing too much. I just, maybe that's why our football team was so bad. They were scholars. I don't know. But, <laughs> but the funny thing is, is I knew what teachers I could blow off the class for, right? And I was like, they ain't gonna do nothing right? But then I had the teachers where my coaches were there, where I knew that not only is this class intense, but if I jack around, I mean, that means not only is a bad grade involved, but running is involved. <laughs> not playing football is about like all the different punishments. And so the way I acted in those classes was a little different. I put a little bit of more respect on those names, right? Because I understood the weight. A lot of us are acting like God is a substitute teacher that we talk to every now and then. God is the creator of heaven and earth. God is above all. God, he, God created us to give him glory, right? And then we didn't do that. If I was God and created things that were meant to give me glory and then they didn't, I would have obliterated all of us forever ago. Be really glad I'm not God. And yet God loved us so much that even though we deserve eternity away from him, he sent Jesus to die for us, pay the ultimate price so that it doesn't matter how much sin you have in your life. He's already paid that price and he gives you the gift of salvation freely. The God who created all things that has every right to obliterate us loves you so much and created you and didn't just bail you out, but has a whole redemption plan on how to use you to be a part of the redemption plan on earth. 
How amazing is that? How can we just blow off God and continue to sin and live in a lifestyle that he disapproves of? That's just taking advantage of every nail that went into his wrist on the cross. We need to understand, I can't just blow off God. I can't just blow off his calling in our life. I need to have fear and reverence, not because I'm afraid of condemnation, but because I understand the price that he paid for you and for me and understanding the role that he sits. Like he is Lord, he is Savior then the way I live my life has to be through the lens of what does he want for my life? Not what God are you gonna do for me so I can do what I wanna do, but no, I exist for you. What do you, have, what do you want me to do? I exist for you. What do you want my career to be? What, who do you want me to marry? Or do you want me to marry? Should I make this decision? God, you have the reins. It comes with the fear of the Lord, the understanding of the role that he should sit in our lives. The absence of, what, of fear of God is what enables us to sin. When we don't have the fear of God, that's when we're like, it's all right, I'll just do this. I'll just do this pet sin or oh, who cares? We're taking advantage of God when we do that. When he's not Lord of our lives, we are taking advantage of the creator of the universe. It starts with fear of the Lord. My last point, separation from the world is more than just being distant from sinners. It's staying close to God. Let me talk about the distance from sinners real quick. I have a lot of friends that don't know Jesus, a lot of friends, but they don't sit in specific roles of my life. I have very specific people that I know and respect and love that I know are strong Christians, are devoted to their spouses, are also submitted to authority. And they're the ones that have the biggest voice in my life. So I have a solid base ground. So when I'm around people who have different values, I'm not so easily swayed because I have a very intentional people of the Lord in my life who have permission to call me out, to call me to hire, to challenge my thinking, to challenge my way of life. We have to be very intentional intentional about being, about having specific people in our lives. But then our lens on how we view those around us has to become a heavenly lens. We can't just remove ourselves physically from the world, but we can remove the world's influence on our lives. But then the way we view the world is through the way God views the world. God didn't come to destroy the world. He came to redeem it. So now when I see a lost person, I'm not judging them. I'm not thinking less of them. I'm looking at them going, man, Jesus paid the ultimate price for me. He paid the same price for them. I've got to tell them about Jesus. I got to get them to church. I got to show love to them. I can't act like a hypocrite. I want to show Jesus by my life to these people. We have to care about the people around us. The other part is staying close to God. It's not a matter of don't sin, don't sin. Just try not to sin, don't try not to sin. What the hell are you thinking about a sin? Pursue God, understand the word. Every one of us should be in scripture. It's so easy to be influenced by the world when we have no baseline of truth in our life. If we have no ground for what we believe and why we believe, it's just based on hearsay, well, then all the arguments of the world are gonna sound really appealing because we have nothing to stand on. As Christians, we need to draw close to God. What does his word say? Every one of us should be in scripture, holding me accountable to make sure I'm preaching what God's word actually says, holding each other accountable, understanding what does God want us to live? Because if he designed us, let's look at what, how did he design us to live? That's why we dive into scripture. We give scripture the role of authority in our life. So then our worldview is through the lens of God's worldview. That's where we have to be. It's not allow the world 
world to have a heavy voice in our lives, but then be intentional about drawing close to God, worshiping Him, not because I feel like worshiping or because the song is the song I like or because I'm in the mood to sing today, but rather understanding that heaven never stopped worshiping. I'm coming alongside heaven, giving Him all the glory that He deserves, whether I feel like it or not. We have to shift our focus. We have to make sure we're separating from the world. Otherwise, by default, we're separating from God.